This morning, I want to pick up where we left off last week, and we've uh, kind of talked about it, and as I was saying, a little bit of a kind of a series here, talking about some application of wisdom in our life, talking about some things with relationships, and specifically, as we were talking about with relationships, even, uh, uh, you know, addressing it to some of the younger folk that are in this church that are, you know, beginning to move on with their life. They've, they've moved out of the youth group or they're just getting ready to move out of the youth group. Uh, all of a sudden somebody, uh, of uh, the, 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 the opposite gender has caught their eye and, and now, you know, the, 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 the influence and the, uh, chemistry and all of that begins to happen. Before all of that begins, there has to be some understanding about what God does with relationships. We talked a bit about it in Sunday school, but here we're talking about that beginning part of the relationship. And again, as I've said, uh, you know, with uh, Sunday school, and I'll say it again, you know, I absolutely, you know, if somebody wants to, 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 to be married, uh, and, and I'm going to be doing a ceremony or they're a member of this church, uh, that, that they should have biblical premarital counseling. But I will say this. If biblical premarital counseling is when the first time these subjects are broached, the first time these are presented, the first time that these are being discussed or even thought about, we are way behind in the learning curve. We are way behind in the educational material. This needs to be before they even start thinking about entering into relationships. This is something that they need to start doing before they commit themselves and say, I am going to, uh, you know, uh, desire to have this person be my husband, desire to have this person be my wife, whatever it is, before any of that starts happening, before they start to, quote unquote, as the world says, fall in love. Uh, I kind of despise that saying, but anyways, love is not something you fall into. It's not like a puddle or a pit. It shouldn't be. If it is, you're, you're getting the love in the wrong places. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, but, but you know what? Wisdom will keep you from that. And we need to understand that before they enter into that, before they start saying that they love somebody or before they start thinking about, is this the person for me? There has to be an application of wisdom. And we're going to look at that this morning. Let's go ahead and pray. We'll get started in Proverbs chapter 2 here we hear in just a minute. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for the time. Thank you again, Lord, for your word that you've given to us that gives us this guidance and your Holy Spirit that leads us into these truths. Lord, I just pray that uh, this morning our hearts would be receptive to it, that our hearts would see the application not just with uh, uh, fledgling relationships, Lord, but with every area of relationships uh, with you, relationships with others, that uh, we would truly see what you desire us to do with wisdom and what the fruit of that wisdom is. And Lord, I pray you just be with me, speak through me this morning, give me the strength, the clarity of mind, and the words to speak, that this would all bring you glory, honor, and praise, and be pleasing in your sight. And this I ask in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Proverbs chapter 2 is where we're going to start. We're not going to deviate that much from Proverbs chapter 2. 
Uh, so there may not be a lot of page flipping, but I want us to understand that Proverbs chapter 2 provides a very good comprehensive, uh, a, 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 if you will, overview of what the principle of wisdom does for us. So if I had to call, you know, give a title for this message, it would be called uh, Building with Wisdom. Building with Wisdom. And what that fruit looks like. Because wisdom, God has a lot of promises regarding it. And in Proverbs chapter 2, and, and, and uh, you know, we'll read through these for 22 verses. Uh, bear with me as we go through this. It says in verse 1, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou shalt... Uh, so thou uh, incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasure, then thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth, cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints, then thou shalt understand righteousness and judgment and equity, yea, every good path. When wisdom entereth into thy heart, and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee, to deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaketh forward, forward things, who leaveth not the paths, excuse me, who leaveth the paths of uprightness to walk in the way of darkness, who rejoice to do evil and delight in the forwardness of the wicked, Whose ways are crooked and they, and they froward in their paths to deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flattereth with her words, which forsaketh the guide of her youth and forgetteth the covenant of her God. For her house inclineth unto death and her paths unto the dead. None that go unto her return again, neither take they hold of the paths of life that thou mayest walk in the way of good men and keep the paths of righteousness. For the upright shall dwell in the land and the perfect shall remain in it. But the wicked shall be cut off from the earth and the transgressors shall be rooted out of it. Now there's a lot that we just covered there, but I want to give us a little bit of an overview of what we see here. In the first four verses of this this chapter, we see a very clear principle of there is a process for getting wisdom. The first four verses talk about the process for getting wisdom. The next verses that we see uh, right there that go from verse uh, 5 through verse 11, we see what the result, the outcome, if you will, uh, is of the the wisdom that is applied in our life. What What effect does it have on us? What occurs when wisdom is received? And then we see in the last part of it here, this, uh, this is a kind of speaking of the, the whys and the whats. Uh, why is it important for wisdom? Why do we need it? And what does it keep us from? Now, these are all things that we have to begin to understand when we start talking about relationships. We start talking about answering that question, is this the right person that I should marry? That that God's going to say, look, okay, first and foremost, let's get some wisdom with this. 
Let's get some wisdom to, to, to get to, the, to apply to this situation, to apply to this scripturally. What do we need to do? How do we need to think about this? And what we start off with is, first and foremost, is understanding that the wisdom must be present in order to answer that question. I cannot answer that question, as we talked about last week, if wisdom is not part of the equation. How am I supposed to answer if this person is the person that God wants me to marry if I don't even know who God is? If I don't even know what God's word says? If I don't even know what God's will for my life is? How can I even begin to try to answer that question? I can't. I can try to answer it according to the ways of the world. You know what the world is going to say? Well, if you love them... If you, that your love will carry you through. Just trust your heart. Man, you know what that is? That's throwing a hand grenade into a box of hand grenades. It's gonna, it's gonna result into something that, that you don't want it to. And as I said this morning, when it comes to husbands and wives, as we talked about over there, uh, in Colossians 3 and Ephesians 5, you know, before anybody starts talking about submission, before anybody starts talking about loving wives, it all starts with this. Are you loving the Lord and submitted to Him first? And it comes to the point of realizing that wisdom is going to have to be present because wisdom is from God. Wisdom is God's, as we see in this passage here. He makes it very clear that he says it comes from him. It comes from him. It doesn't come from anywhere else. In verse 6, for the Lord giveth wisdom. For the Lord giveth wisdom. James, we talked about that when we're studying the book of James on Wednesday night. It comes from him. It's, 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 it's pure. It's peaceable. All those things that we see versus what the wisdom of the world is, which is earthly, sensual, and devilish. So here we are. We're seeing that there's this wisdom that God wants us to use. And he says, look, I'm going to give you a process of how to figure this out. I'm going to give you a process to answer that question. Now look, this question, that question of, is this the right person for me? Is this the person that God wants me to marry? Those questions are not the only questions that can be answered by wisdom. Is this the right friendship that you want me to have, God? Is this a friend that you put in my path to be a witness to? Is this a person that I am to try to show how to trust you as their savior? Or is this some sort of further deeper relationship of a friendship that I'm supposed to have with this individual? Because we know that we're not supposed to, you know, Bible talks about making friendships. You're not supposed to have a friendship with angry man. Why? Because you, as it says, you'll learn his ways. Be careful. Friendships and the influence go both ways. Not just one way. So we have to understand that in relationships. We start asking the question, well, is this the will of God? Is this what God wants me to do? Is this the job God wants me to take? Is this where God wants me to move to? Does God want me to, you know, do this or do that? These are all questions that wisdom can answer. And first things first is we have to understand this. Now, we're all here, and we call ourselves Bible believers. Because we believe what God says, right? 
We believe that he gave us his word, perfect, pure, inerrant, right here. We believe that. Or you should. There's reasons why that people don't. We'll get to that in just a little bit, but, but, but we need to understand this. If I believe God's word, then I need to understand this concept that when God tells me this is what I need to do, that there is going to be a fruit of it that is yielded that he's promised will happen and occur. Now look, we're not promise keepers, we're not promise claimers, we're not that crowd, okay? I don't want somebody jumping on there and saying, God, you promised me. Yeah, that's, you know, don't do that. You, you, you're, you're, you're asking for it. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, but there's things that we need to understand. That if I do this, then God will do this. There's a cause, there's effect. There's a consequence. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth that, uh, that also shall he reap. That, that is applying for good repercussions and bad repercussions. Good consequences, bad consequences. Good results, bad results. We have to understand that. We have to understand that that's what God does. And God says that if we seek the wisdom that he gives, there's going to be things that will occur in our life that God will answer that for us. That's a promise. He, look, the promises that he puts in here are applicable today, just as applicable when they were written down the first time. We have to understand that concept. And there's a lot that we see here. We see there's a lot of things that he says are going to happen if we do this. But the first thing that we have to take a look at is in verses 1 through 4, there's a process to get wisdom. There's a process to get wisdom. Take a look at the very first verse here. He says, uh, my son, if thou will receive my words and hide my commandments with thee. So let's start off with this. We've got to understand that 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 when we begin to look for that fruit of wisdom, that there's going to be this process that God has for getting wisdom in our life and what it's going to be. And, and, and in these first four verses, there are verbs that are used very specifically about how to obtain it, what to do. And I will say this, it is not going to be an easy process. God's not just going to give us a little USB stick and say, download this. As I've said before, and I'll say it again, and I'll say it in counseling, you know, again, over and over and over again, there is no such thing as a magic Jesus pill that's going to take care of all of this. When you trusted Christ as your Savior, you didn't pop a little pill, and all of a sudden now you're all wise. That didn't happen. I will attest it didn't happen. If it happened to you, then I'm like, okay, something's wrong. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, it, it didn't happen. What we have to understand is, is that God has a process. And what he says there, first and foremost, is you got to receive it. If you're a person that underlines in your Bible, you need to underline that word. If you're a person that writes notes, start writing down the process to, 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 to get wisdom is first and foremost, you got to receive it. You got to receive it. You know, when a person receives something, it means that they want it. They want it. 
when, when, when something is being delivered to you and you're anticipating it and Amazon, UPS, FedEx, or whoever else comes to the door and drops it off and hands it to you, signatures required maybe for it, you sign off on it, you're saying, I want to receive this. I want to receive this. It's something I asked for. Typically, it's something you asked for. It's something you expected. If it's something that's not expected, then that's, you know, we're, we're just going to set those things aside. I understand that happens in life. But typically, it's because you ordered something. It's because you've asked it to be sent to you. It's because maybe somebody's sending it to you because they care about you and love you. But, but, but what we need to understand with that concept is this, is that God says you need to first receive it. Receive it. Don't reject it. Because here's what happens. Sometimes people take the wisdom of the word of God and the wisdom of the Lord, and they begin to say it's an optional acceptance of counsel or advice. What I mean by that is we get a lot of advice in this world. As I've said before, you get a lot of advice. You go up and you say, hey, I'm going to buy a car. You're going to get advice about a car. Somebody's going to tell you what type of car you should buy. Somebody's going to tell you which type of car you shouldn't buy. Okay? You really want advice? Get married. People are going to start telling you how to do your wedding. People are going to, look, it's your wedding. You do it the way you want to do it, as long as it's under the Lord. That's all I'm going to say. If you're trying to appease a bunch of people, there's one thing I've learned being a pastor. You can't please everybody all the time. So you know what you do? You pick your battles. <laughs> you pick your battles. <laughs> As I was saying earlier, Moses is my role model, <laughs> you know. Uh, but I'll tell you this. There's unsolicited advice that you'll get. You want unsolicited advice? Be a pastor. You'll get a lot. A lot. <laughs> you want unsolicited advice? Have kids. Amen. Have kids. Yeah. Philip's over there. He's about ready to have a revival. He's like, he, he, he's got kids. He's, he's received a lot of advice about kids. <laughs> this is the way you do it. This is the way you do it. This is the way you do it. No. Look, this is the way you do it. According to the word of God. Stick with that. You're not going to fail. That's it. Now, I understand they make their own choices, their own decisions. We, we, we do, we, we do understand that concept. But, you know, you want to do it the right way. This is the way you do it according to the Word of God. But you know what? People treat the Word of God as, as that unsolicited advice. You can take it or you cannot take it. That's not the way it works. If you want answers to that question about whether or not that person is the right person for you, then you need to receive the wisdom of God. It starts there. He then says in another verb in that same, the same verse, he says, you need to hide it. You need to hide it. Now that doesn't mean that you hide it from view. That doesn't mean that you're a secret Christian. It doesn't mean anything of that nature. No, what it means is that you hide it in such a way that you protect it. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. God doesn't want you to take scripture and hide it so nobody knows you're a Christian. 
No, he wants you to hide it so it doesn't get stolen away by the devil. By the things of the world. That it doesn't get corrupted and polluted. That's what the real word of hid means. Things that are valuable to us, we put in safe and lock boxes and safety deposit boxes. We protect them. We make sure that they're taken care of. We make sure that they're not exposed to elements and so on and so forth. You know, here in the United States of America, we have these things called garages. You know what garages are used for? Cars. <laughs> they're meant for you to park your car in there to protect them from the Pacific Northwest moss. And mold and the consistent rain that's hard on that exterior of your vehicle. And you're like, wait, I thought that was to just store extra stuff that I didn't need, that I need to take to Goodwill, but that I keep forgetting to take to Goodwill. No. <laughs> Man, he's getting Pentecostal today. So you understand there's, there's a reason. So, you know, what do we do? We hide it from view. We hide it from view. You know, what we do is we take and we take the word of God and not only do we, ch- do, do, do we want to receive it, but we want to take it and we want to put it in the special place of our heart where things of value go. Because he talks about the value of wisdom. In, ver- in chapter 3, and we'll get to this in just a few minutes, in chapter 3, he talks about how valuable wisdom really is. It's more important than anything else that you will ever get in this world. It's more valuable than gold, than precious stones, than any object that you could ever possibly receive that is physical in nature. The wisdom of God is far greater than all of that. That's why we value this book so much. Because it contains the wisdom of God. It will guide and direct us. But we gotta receive it. We've gotta hide it. We've got, we've gotta, to, to realize that, 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 that this has to happen first and foremost for wisdom, if you will, to activate. Because if we don't receive it and we don't hide it, that wisdom is just gonna kind of come and go as an unsolicited advice, and it's never going to get activated in our life. It's never going to be used with an effect. It's never going to be used for its purpose. It's never going to bear any fruit. I'm never going to be able to answer that question. Is this the right person for me? I'm never going to be able to answer that. Take a look at verse 2. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 2. He says, So that thou... I incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thy heart to understanding. Two more verbs that we see here. We see incline and we see apply. Incline and apply. When we incline to something, that means that we're leaning towards it. It means that, 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 that this is, if you will, we're desiring it. You know, he talks about an inclination down a little bit further where he says in verse 18 about the strange woman, he says, her house inclineth unto death. What does that mean? It's leaning to the direction of you're going to die. You're going to die. And I guarantee you, most of us would choose rather to not die. Now, I understand wanting to be with the Lord, but 
let's just wait for the rapture or for him in his timing. Let's not expedite the process like Josiah. Let's, let's just be doing what God wants us to do and be found faithful in doing that till, till the Lord calls us home. That's, that, that's the idea. That's the concept. So what do we see here? He says, look, there needs to be an inclination. What does that mean? That means that we need to be listening for it. We need to be listening for it. We need to teach our ears and train our ears, as Mike Nemeth was just mentioning. You know, Samuel, he had to, to, to learn how to incline his ears unto the Lord. He had to learn to listen for that voice. He had to learn to be able to discern it above all the other voices in the world. Isn't it amazing that how with all the different voices that go on in the various different settings, that you can generally pick out some of the voices that are familiar to you? I can pick out my wife's voice out of a crowd. Why? It's distinct to me. I treasure that voice. I listen for that voice. That's an important thing to do. My children, my daughters, I'm familiar with their voice. I hear their voice. So, so when there's other different, uh, other conversations going on and there's other things being said, the one things that I pick up on are those voices that are treasures to me. And the voice that needs to be listened to and if you will, inclined unto above anything else, first and foremost, is the Lord's. We need to be listening for His wisdom. Because often what, have you ever had somebody ask a question and then they ever wait around for the answer? They just ask a question and then they're like, uh, and they're off. That's not the way we should be with the Lord. When we ask the question, is this the right person for me? Is this the right relationship for me? Is this what you want in my life, God? Is this your will for my life? Let's wait for the answer. Let's incline our ear for the answer. Let's be actively listening for the answer. And this is what he says. He says, incline your ear. Unto wisdom. Don't listen to the world. Don't listen to other people's opinions. Don't listen to other people's convictions. Because because opinions, convictions, beliefs, they're all different. But I'll tell you this, many of them are not truth. Many of them are not truth. You ever sit down and have a conversation with a conspiracy theorist? (laughs) Yeah, isn't it weird they kind of seem to find you? It's like they seek you out. It's like, I don't know, they've got like this homing device that are like, they know that this person's going to listen to their crazy conspiracy theory and they hone you out. They find you in a crowd. They go past all the other people and then they find you and you're like, really? And what do they do? They start spouting conspiracy theory. Now look, I understand I'm not talking about the stuff that goes on in the world that we truly know about. I'm not talking about the attacks against our family, against our children, against our country, against Christianity today. I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm talking about, you know, chemtrails. Okay. And if you're, if you subscribe to chemtrails, um, okay. Look, why don't you just back off the chemtrails and read your Bible a little bit more? Yeah, that's right. Okay. 
Because you know what? This will clear it up. Okay. Uh, let's not worry about that. Because I find that those individuals often devote more of their time to researching that than to actually researching the wisdom of God and the will of God. And they're spiritual infants. Now they can talk about all sorts of emitters and, you know, contrails and what all that is and so on and so forth and things like that. All I'm going to say is, you know, somebody starts talking about chemtrails. I'm going to, I'm going to, I will find the blue angels and I will have them sit in the back seat of one of those two seater F-18s and I will have them watch the chemtrails come right off of it. It's called contrails as they go through and they're doing a six G turn and as they're puking in their own mask, I'll get them to get, to understand that. But anyways, moving on to that subject. They, it's not truth. But people will often listen to those things more than anything else that God says. And it has effect on their life. And when they're listening to something else other than what God is saying, then they will begin to have an influence or an inclination to the things of the world rather than listening to what God says and the inclination of what God says we need to be doing. What God says we need in our life. Because God will tell you what you need for a spouse. God will tell you what you need to look for in that relationship. He's promised it. Do we have faith? Faith is believing what God said and doing it. Start off with wisdom. Do we incline unto it? Do we listen for it? Is that the voice that sticks out? And then here he says the next verb that we see, and this is the process. And by the way, these are all things that, you know, take time. Which is why I say, you know, right before you're getting married, you know, right before you say, I do, shouldn't be the time to go, Lord, is this the right person? (laughs) Please do not do that. There's a reason why, you know, when I do marriages, I don't do that. If anybody, you know... Uh, um, you know, I forget, I don't even, it's not even part of the dialogue that I have about, you know, uh, if anybody has any reasons why these, uh, why this man and this woman shouldn't be med, I speak now or forever hold your peace. Uh, there's a reason why, why? Cause you know what? I'm sorry. I like to be cut and dry with some stuff. Like, no, that should have happened before we're at this point. If you're saying it now, too little, too late. Too bad, so sad. Sorry. We're moving on. <clears throat> We're moving on. But the idea and the concept is, is that, you know, that's the wrong time to ask this. These are all things that need to be done over the course of time. Because it takes time to, if you will, receive things. We don't always receive things right the first time. When algebra was first explained to you, how many of you went, what? Why? I was just learning numbers. Now you're throwing letters and all sorts of weird little signs in there. What does that mean? Why? Why would you do that to a dyslexic? Stop! (laughs) I didn't receive it well the first time. It takes time to receive. It takes time to hide things. To put it in a special place. To prepare that. It takes time to learn to listen. 
to incline the ear. And it takes time to apply things. It takes time to apply things. You're applying, you know, say a car wrap on a car, on a vehicle. It takes time to apply it. It doesn't happen like that. If you're doing it the right way, you're going to have a process about going about doing it. It takes time. It takes hours. Hours to do it. Days sometimes. Applying paint to what object, it, it takes time. But here is the interesting thing. It's not wisdom that is applied to our heart. It's our heart that is applied to wisdom. It means that our heart is stuck to it. Our heart is put in there. I don't wait for God to spray paint me with that. I want to be stuck on him and what he is and what he wants and what he desires. There's an application process. And again, as I said, it's not going to be something that just happens overnight. It's going to be something that takes some time. It's going to be something that takes effort. It's going to be something that we have to go through that process, as he says here, to apply our heart to that. And specifically understanding it. To understanding it. Because when we ask for wisdom, we've got to understand what is being said. If I don't understand the principles of what God is speaking in wisdom, then I'm going to have a hard time receiving that wisdom. This is all part of the processes in in these first four verses. And it starts off with those questions of, okay, Lord, I, I want to receive wisdom. I'm going to seek it. I'm going to cry after it. And this is where we begin to see more verbs coming in. In verse 3, he says, Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, and liftest up thy voice for understanding. And if there's one thing that I know is wisdom does just doesn't, it just doesn't happen in your life. It's not something that is just you know, magically is going to appear when you hit a certain age. Job talks about that over there. Just because somebody's old does not mean that they're wise. Just because they've got age behind them and many years does not mean that it's the best thing. We've got to understand that concept. Just because something's the oldest doesn't mean it's the best, by the way. We know that specifically from Scripture. Because there are things in this life that when we start looking at that are old, I mean, look, I mean, which would you rather have? Would you have an old steak that's been sitting out on the, the, the table for about six days, or would you rather have one that's fresh off the grill? I mean, you know, we understand that that's a concept that the Lord says we need to want things that are, if you will, new, the new creature. Why in the world somebody's calling me in the middle of service? I'll never know. I'm sorry. I just, I don't know if you heard that, but my cat was moving in over here and it was making that little noise. Well, I apologize. Should have had that thing on airplane mode. But I'll tell you this. The, here, here's where it comes down to the, this, this, this wisdom is you've got to ask for it. Solomon just didn't get wisdom because God gave it to him without asking. 
here we are over the, you know, on Wednesday nights talking about the book of James and we would just talk about wisdom. And then he goes into James chapter four and he starts talking about wars and lust and stuff like that. And he says, you have not because you ask not. And then he says, you ask amiss. You're not asking the right way. So here we are asking this question, uh, you know, uh, uh, about is this the right person for me? We're asking the next thing that we need to do before we even do that is this. We need to ask God, God, give me wisdom. And, and look, don't just ask once. Don't sit there and say, God, give me wisdom and then expect the full download. You know what you do? You ask wisdom for each situation. Each situation. God, is this your will for my life? God, is this the job that you want me to take? God, is this the person you want me to marry? God, please give me wisdom for this. And he says, cry. Cry. And I understand when we talk about cry, but but I want you to, to, to see how he describes it here in verse 3. He describes crying and lifting up your voice. When's the last time you shed tears begging God to give you wisdom? Let's think about that. When's the last time we got down on our knees sobbing? Now, sometimes it's after the fact. This is before the fact. You know, we should have such a relationship with God that, 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 that we can do that. That we can cry to God and we can lift up our voice. Not just, and look, and the reason why is because you know what God's addressing? God's addressing, if you will, casual Christianity. Go ask the Laodicean church what God thinks of casual Christianity. Go ask the nation of Israel what God thinks about casual commitment to him. I'm not trying to alliterate here. That's just the way it came out. Sorry. But I'll say this, God does not like casualness in the relationship. You know what he loves? Devotion. Devotion. And somebody that is devoted to God and somebody that is devoted to seeking his wisdom before they enter that relationship is going to be on their knees and maybe it's a relationship that's just starting. Maybe it surprised you and you weren't expecting it tell you this, get on your knees and start crying to God. Not fake tears, but lifting up your voice. Because you know what? God doesn't want this. Oh, God, uh, yeah, I'm not sure if this is the right person for me. Um, yeah, uh, Lord, uh, please give me wisdom because that's what pastor said I need to ask for. And uh, don't. Don't throw me under the bus like that. Okay? Throw yourself under the bus. Because <laughs> you didn't ask for it in the first place. No, I'm sorry about that. But you, you understand what I'm saying is God doesn't like that casual Christianity. He wants you to take ownership of it. You know, God does stuff in your life. Don't, don't leave it to, 
Look, don't leave it to your pastor to take care of it for you. Don't leave it to your Sunday school teacher to take care of it. Don't leave it to your youth leader to take care of it for you. Don't, don't, don't leave it to your parents to take care of it for you. Make it personal. Go to God on your knees and beg and cry and lift up your voice and say, God, I need wisdom because I'm stupid. I will tell you this. I have had quite a few prayers that way. And it's not a casual prayer. It's, it's a prayer where I'm bowing my head going, God, I am dumb. How will you put up with this? I can't even put up with myself. Lord, give me wisdom. I don't know what to do. As Solomon said, I don't know how to go out. I don't know how to come in. I don't know how to deal with these people. It should be the prayer of every pastor, by the way. Should be the prayer of every junior church teacher. Should be the prayer of every Sunday school teacher. Should be the prayer of every youth worker. Should be the prayer of anybody that's doing anything for God. I don't know how to do it, Lord. I need your help. But don't sit there and sit back and go, well, I prayed for it. Now I'm going to let God do it. Do it. Don't be a hearer. Be a doer. God requires action of us. You're not going to learn the Bible by osmosis. Doesn't happen that way. But you have to actively ask for it, seek it, and mean it. God doesn't like the casual Christianity of just asking God when you think you might need some help. No, you need help. Get help. Get help. Why? Because the greatest helper that has ever been is the Lord. He will help you. He will help you. But what we can't do is we can't throw it on someone else. We have to cry out for it. We have to lift up our voice for it. In the next verse, in verse 4, I want you to see this. He says, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures. So here we are with the conclusion of this process. What are we seeing? We're seeing receive. Receiving, we're seeing hide. We're seeing in this passage, incline, apply, cry, lift up. All of these things we're seeing very clearly that God is saying we need to do for the process of wisdom. You skip any of these, you're not going to get wisdom. You're not going to get wisdom. It's like in an assembly line. You skip putting a part on the car, your car isn't going to work. You might have something that looks like a car, but then you open up the hood and what's inside? Nothing. No engine. No motor. No means of getting it from point A to point B. You're going nowhere fast. Again, it looks like something that might work, but it doesn't. And sometimes, you know what? It's just the smallest little thing that we forget. You unplug one little wire on a car, modern cars nowadays, the thing doesn't even, it won't do anything. They'll just sit there and look at you. 
And then you go in and you're like, oh, hey, that got unplugged. You plug it back in. Oh, now the car works. Oh, yay. But what we begin to understand is, is we need all of these parts. We need all of this. And in the last verse here, I want to see, do you see this? Seek and search. Seek and search. And he tells you how to seek and search. I'll use this example again. If I told everyone in here that I planted and hid in the back over here on this, this hill a million dollars, and whoever digs it up first gets it, I guarantee you people would be out there with backhoes in two seconds. They'd be out there digging that thing up. They'd be looking for it. I don't know about you nowadays. A million dollars would be nice. A million dollars doesn't go as far as you think it either. I mean, you know, back in the day, it went far. Today, you might be able to buy a car. <clears throat> you can't buy a home in San Francisco. Not for a million bucks. Yeah. <laughs> the smell alone would kill you. Uh, but, you know, again, you, but let's say uh, put a, a, a treasure out there, you'd be digging it up. You'd be digging it up. There's people out there. Their whole occupation are treasure hunter, and they're going out there and they're diving and they're spending all this money to go out and do it. And you know what? They're being diligent. They're they're putting effort into that. They're not just casually going out there with you know a little snorkel and a little you know mask and going. Well, I don't see anything. No, they're getting boots and they're dropping themselves all the way down to the bottom and they're looking, digging up reefs and all sorts of stuff, looking for the treasure, right? They're, they're, they're blowing holes in the sides of mountains. They're doing all that stuff. I mean, over in Europe, you know what the biggest thing the treasure hunter is, is they're all looking for the Nazi gold train. The supposed myth that there's all this gold on this train that they hid somewhere in some mountain and people are out there and they're looking and they're trying to find it and they've got metal detectors and they got all this radar and yeah, ground penetrating radar and they're looking for this thing. I'm like, they're diligently searching for it. And if they found an anomaly, guess what they do? They come in and they start digging and they start searching and they start looking for it and they do it diligently. Why? Because they want that treasure. They want that treasure. It's valuable to them. Take a look here in, in, in chapter 3. Uh, this, this is the other reference that I want us to look at, chapter 3, where he talks about this in verse 13. He says, uh, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, the man that getteth understanding, for the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things that thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Whatever it is you want in the world, you should want wisdom more. And I'll tell you this, you should want wisdom more than you want that relationship. You should desire God speaking to you than more than having a spouse. It starts with that. That'll start to give you an answer whether or not you're on the right path about picking a spouse for you. It starts there. It starts there. I want to conclude with this. We're not done with chapter two. Like I said, we're going to take it. We're going to take our time with this because I want us to understand something. There's a process for getting wisdom. 
There's a process for answering that question. And I want us to see a couple of things before we go. If you apply and you do that process, you do it the way that God wants you to do it, you do it and follow it according to this, you're seeking like you're digging for treasure. You're searching like you've never searched before in your life for something that you misplaced, lost, whatever it is, or something that you need to find. Whatever it may be that you're looking for, you do that. God said, here's what's going to happen. Verse 5, I want you to see that one verse before we go here. Verse 5 of chapter 2, I want you to see the first word. What does it say? Then. Next week, we're going to look at then. Next week, we're going to look at when. Because here's what he says. You do this process, here is the result. You do this process, here is the result. Then thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And it begins to cascade from there. So much so that when you have applied, you've taken wisdom, you've applied your heart to it, you've inclined it, you received it, all of the things searching for it, crying out for it, all of it, here's, here's what happens. God will answer your question. And he'll give you a good yes, and he'll give you a good no. It won't be vague. Because he's going to say, here's what happens. Because if you go down to the last part of the chapter, and I know I'm kind of skipping ahead a little bit here, but you see there's the process, we see there's the fruit of what happens. And why is that? Because I tell you this, there are some evil men that your women need to stay away from, and there are some strange women that men need to stay away from. I don't want my daughters going after evil men. You should not want your sons going after strange women. So what happens? God begins to show you and give you discernment where you look at the situation and go, that's not godly. Red flag. Stop. That relationship is not what you're thinking it is. You want an answer? God will give you an answer. God will give you that answer. We'll take a look at that, Lord willing, more next week. But let's go ahead and pray. But first and foremost, I want us to understand this. Maybe you're here today and you realize, hey, I need a little more wisdom in my life. When's the last time you pled and begged God for it? Maybe you're facing a major decision in your life. Maybe you've made a choice that may not have been using wisdom. You need wisdom to know how God wants you to handle the situation. How to move forward. Because God, God has the answers for all of that. God will clearly show you. And you know what? He shows us exactly what to do. 
Sometimes people enter into the wrong relationships. You know what God does? God shows you how to handle that. Shows you what to do next. Don't live in the past of, oops, I messed up and live in that, you know, the fact that you made a a wrong decision or a wisdom without God or or, or a decision without God, without his wisdom. Look, I've done that. I've made decisions that have not been uh, seeking God in it. I don't live in those decisions anymore. There may be consequences of it. That is the case. But I'll tell you this, God tells me how to handle it. Tells me exactly how to move forward. You know what that is? Please Him. Please Him. Just do what's godly from here on out. Seek His wisdom from here on out. Learn from the lesson. Learn from that. That's something that we as believers need to understand. If you're here today and you're going through that, I encourage you while we sing a hymn of invitation here in just a few moments, begin to ask God for wisdom on how to deal with these things. Each and every time we need to make a decision, we need to make sure we're stopping at the gate of wisdom at her house and saying, I'm going to apply what her principles are, her pillars of wisdom, not the things of this world, but what God wants. Let's close with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for this time. Thank you again for an opportunity, Lord, to be in your word and to hear from you. And Lord, it's very clear you want us to have wisdom. You want us to ask for wisdom. And Lord, you so freely give it to those that ask. And Lord, I just pray that as we continue to, to seek you out and continue to seek after you and search for you and search for this wisdom, that Lord, as you so often do, that Lord, you just show us exactly that path. I pray, Lord, that above all, that we would receive it. That if we were asking for it, Lord, we would receive it. We'd apply it. We'd take it. We'd listen to it. And, Lord, we would truly desire it in our lives. Thank you again, Lord, for just this time that we've had to look at your word and receive that guidance and direction from you. I pray, Lord, you continue to move in our hearts. Convict us where necessary. Correct us where necessary. Lord, encourage us where necessary. Edify us where necessary. And clearly show, Lord, that we can have that happiness if we go after this wisdom the way you described it. Pray, Lord, that we would just listen to the words of the songs that we're singing, lifting up your name in praise, giving glory for all you've done. And this I ask in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.